Gurk, who began to be acquainted with the country, ran off to meet his companion, and shortly after our much-loved family appeared in sight, with demonstrations of unbounded joy at our safe return. They advanced along by the course of the river, till they on one side and we on the other had reached the place we crossed in the morning. We repassed it again in safety, and threw ourselves into each other's arms. Scarcely had the young ones joined their mother, brother, then they began their joyful exclamations, A monkey! A live monkey! Papa! Mama! A live monkey! Oh, how delightful! How happy shall we be! How did you catch him? What a droll face he has! He is very ugly, said little Francis, half afraid to touch him. He is much prettier than you, returned Jack. Only see, he is laughing. I wish I could see him eat. Ah, oh, if we had but some coconuts, cried Ernest. Could you not find any? Are they nice? Have you brought me any milk of almonds? asked Francis. Have you met with any unfortunate adventure? interrupted my wife. In this manner, questions and exclamations succeeded to each other with such rapidity as not to leave us time to answer them. At length, when all became a little tranquil, I answered them thus, Most happy am I to return to you again, my best beloved, and God be praised, without any new misfortune. We have even the pleasure of presenting you with many valuable acquisitions. But in the object nearest my heart, the discovery of our ship companions, we have entirely failed. Since it pleases God that it should be so, said my wife, let us endeavor to be content, and let us be grateful to him for having saved us from their unhappy fate, and for having once more brought us all together. I have had much in, uh, uneasiness about your safety, and imagined a thousand evils that might beset you. The day appeared an age, but now I see you once more safe and well. But put down your bundles, we will all help you, for though we have not spent the day in idleness, we are less fatigued than you. Quick then, my boys, and take the loads from your father and your brother. Now then sit down and tell us your adventures. Jack received my gun, Ernest the coconuts, Francis the gourd rinds, and my wife my game to bake. Fritz distributed the sugar canes and put his monkey on the back of Turk to the great amusement of the children, at the same time begging Ernest to relieve him of his gun. But Ernest, ever careful of his ease, assured him that the large heavy bowls which, with which he was loaded were the most he had strength to carry. His mother, a little too indulgent to his lazy humor, relieved him of these, and thus we proceeded all together to our tent. Fritz whispered me that if Ernest had known what the large heavy bowls were, he would not so readily have parted with them. Then turning to his brother, Why, Ernest, cried he, do you know that those bowls are coconuts? Your dear coconuts, and full of the sweet, nice milk you have so much wished to taste. What, really, and truly coconuts, brother? Pray give them to me, mother. I will carry them, if you please, and I can carry the gun, too. No, no, Ernest answered his mother. You shall not tease us with more of your long-drawn sighs about fatigue. A hundred paces, and you would begin again. Ernest would willingly have asked his mother to give him the coconuts and take the gun herself, but this he was ashamed to do. I have only said he to get rid of these sticks and carry the gun in my hand. I would advise you not to find the sticks heavy either, said Fritz drearily. I know you will be sorry if you do, and for this good reason, the sticks are sugar canes. Sugar canes? Sugar canes? exclaimed they all, and surrounding Fritz made him give them full instructions on the sublime art of sucking sugar canes. 
My wife also, who had always entertained a high respect for the article of sugar in our household management, was quite astonished and earnestly entreated we would inform her of all particulars. I gave her an account of our journey and our new acquisitions, which I exhibited one after the other for her inspection. No one of them afforded her more pleasure than the plates and dishes, because to persons of decent habits, they were articles of indispensable necessity. We now adjourned to our kitchen and observed with pleasure the preparations for an excellent repast. On one side of the fire was a turnspit, which my wife had contrived by driving two forked pieces of wood into the ground, and placing a long, even stick sharpened at one end across them. By this invention she was able to roast fish or other food, with the help of little Francis, who was entrusted with the care of turning it from time to time. On the occasion of our return she had prepared us the treat of a goose, the fat of which ran off into some oyster shells placed there to serve the purpose of a dripping pan. There was besides a dish of fish which the little ones had caught, and the iron pot was under the fare provided with a good soup, the odor of which increased our appetite. By the side of these most exhilarating preparations stood one of the caskets which we had recovered from the sea, the head of which my wife had knocked out so that it exposed it to our view a cargo of the finest sort of Dutch cheeses contained in round tins. All this display was made to exquite the appetite of two travelers who had fared but scantily during the day, and I must needs observe that the whole was very little like such a dinner as one should expect to see on a desert island. What you call a goose, said my wife, is a kind of wild bird, and is the booty of Ernest, who calls him by a singular name, and assures me that it is good to eat. Yes, father, I believe that the bird which I have caught is a kind of penguin, or we might distinguish him by the surname of Stupid. He showed himself to be a bird so destitute of even the least degree of intelligence that I killed him with a single blow with my stick. What is the form of his feet and of his beak? asked I. His feet are formed for swimming. In other words, he is called web-footed. The beak is long, small, and a little curved downward. I have preserved his head and neck that you might examine it yourself. It reminds me exactly of the penguin described as so stupid a bird in my natural history. You now then perceive, my son, of what use it is to read and to extend our knowledge, particularly of the productions of nature. By this study and knowledge we are enabled to recognize at the moment the objects which chance throws in our way, whether we have seen them before or not. Tell me now, what birds there are with feet like those you have just described, and which are so formed to enable the creature to strike the water and prevent himself from sinking? There are the man-of-war bird, cormorants, and pelicans, father. By what mark do you distinguish the kind of, to which you just now said that penguin or stupid belonged? Upon my word, interrupted his mother, I must give the answer myself, and it shall be a petition that you will take some other time for your catechism on birds, and once you begin a subject, one never sees the end of it. Now to my mind there is a time for everything. Ernest killed the bird and was able to tell his kind, we on our part shall eat him. What more, therefore, is necessary? Do you not see, husband, that the poor child is thinking all the while of his coconuts? Let me intercede on his behalf and prevail upon you to let him the pleasure of examining and tasting them. Oh, thank you, my good mother. I shall be very glad if Papa will consent. 
Well, well, you have my full permission, but first you will be obliged to learn from Fritz the best manner of opening them, so as to preserve the milk. And one word more, I recommend to you not to forget the young monkey has no longer his much milk for food. Jack, I cannot prevail upon him to taste a bit. I have offered him everything we have. Father, this is not surprising, for he has not yet learned how to eat. You must feed him with the milk of coconuts till we can produce something more suitable. Jack, I will give the poor little creature my share with all my heart. Ernest, I have, however, the greatest desire to taste this milk myself, just to know what it is like. And so have I, said the little Francis. However, gentlemen, the monkey must live, cried Jack, a little maliciously. And we and our children must live, too, answered their mother. Come, then, the supper is ready, and the coconuts shall be for the dessert. We seated ourselves on the ground. My wife had placed each article of the repast in one of our new dishes, and the neat appearance of which exceeded all our expectations. My sons had not patience to wait, but had broken the coconuts and already convinced themselves of their delicious flavor, and then they fell to making spoons with the fragments of the shells. The little monkey, thanks to the kind temper of Jack, had been served the first, and each amused himself with making him suck the corner of his pocket handkerchief dipped in the milk of the coconut. He appeared delighted with the treatment he received, and we remarked with satisfaction that we should most likely be able to preserve him. The boys were preparing to break some more of the coconuts with a hatchet after having drawn out the milk through the three little holes when I pronounced the word hot and bade them bring me a saw. The thought has struck me that by dividing the nuts carefully with this instrument, the two halves, when scooped, would remain with the form of teacups or basins already made to our hands. Jack, was on, who was on every occasion the most active, brought me the saw. I performed my undertaking in the best manner I could, and in a short time each of us was provided with a convenient receptacle for food. My wife put the share of soup which belonged to each into the new basins. The excellent creature appeared delighted that we should be no longer be under the necessity as before of scalding our fingers by dipping into the pot. And I finally believe that never did the most magnificent service of China occasion half the pleasure to its possessor as our utensils manufactured by our own hands from gourds and coconuts excited in the kind heart of my wife. Fritz asked me if he might not invite our company to taste his fine champagne, which he said would not fail to make us all the merrier. I have not the least objection, answered I, but remember to taste it yourself before you serve it to your guests. He ran to draw out the stop one to taste it. How unfortunate, said he, it is already turned to vinegar. What is it, vinegar? exclaimed my wife. How lucky! It will make the most delicious sauce for our bird mixed with the fat which has fallen from it in roasting, and will be as good as a relish as a salad. No sooner said than done this vinegar produced from coconut proved a corrective of the wild and fishy flavor of the penguin. The same sauce improved our dish of fish also. Each boasted most of what he himself had been the means of producing. It was Jack and Francis who had caught the fish, in one of the shallows, while Ernest was employed with very little trouble to himself in securing his penguin, the stupid. My poor wife had herself performed the most difficult task of all, that of rolling the cask of Dutch cheeses into the kitchen and then knocking out its head. 
By the time we had finished our meal, the sun was retiring from our view, and recollecting how quickly the night would fall upon us, we were in great haste to regain our place of rest. My wife had considerately, considerately collected a tenfold quantity of dry grass, which she had spread in the tent, so that we anticipated with joy the prospect of stretching our limbs on a substance somewhat approaching to the quality of mattresses, while the night before our bodies seemed to touch the ground. Our flock of fowls placed themselves as they had done the preceding evening. We said our prayers, and in an, with an improved serenity of mind, lay down in the tent, taking the young monkey with us who had, was become the little favorite of all. Fritz and Jack contented for a short time with such which should enjoy the honor of his company for the night, and it was at last decided that he should be laid between them after which each would have a hand in covering him carefully that he might not catch cold. We now all lay down upon the grass in the order of the night before, myself remaining last to fasten the sailcloth in front of the tent. When heartily fatigued by the exertions of the day, I as well as the rest soon fell into a profound and re refreshing sleep. But I had not long enjoyed this pleasing state when I was awakened by the motion of the fowls on the ridge of the tent, and by violent barking of our vigilant safeguards, the dogs. I was instantly on my legs. My wife and Fritz, who had also been alarmed, got up also. We each took a gun, sallied forth. The dogs continued barking with the same violence, and at intervals even howled. We had not proceeded many steps from the tent, when to our surprise we perceived by the light of the moon a terrible combat. At least a dozen of jackals had surrounded our brave dogs, who defended themselves with the stoutest courage. Already the fierce champions had laid three or four of them, their adversaries on the ground, while those which remained began a timid kind of moan, as if imploring pity and forbearance. Meanwhile they did not the le least endeavor to entangle and surprise the dogs, thus thrown off their guard, and thus secure to themselves the advantage. But our watchful combatants were not so easily predeceived. They took good care not to let the enemy approach them too nearly. I, for my part, had apprehended something worse than jackals. We shall soon manage to see set these gentlemen at rest, said I. Let us fare both together, my boy, but let us take care how we aim for fear of killing the dogs. Mind how you fare, that you may not miss, and I shall do the same. We fared, the two of the intruders fell instantly dead upon the sand. The others made their escape, but we perceived it was with difficulty and consequence, no doubt, of being wounded. Turk and Flora afterwards pursued them and put the finishing stroke to what we had begun. And thus the battle ended, but the dogs, true carabies by nature, made a hearty meal on the flesh of their fallen enemies. My wife, seen all quiet, entreated us to lie down again and finish our night's sleep, but Fritz asked me to let him drag the jackal towards the tent, that he might exhibit him the next morning to his brothers. I, however, observed to Fritz that if Turk and Flora were still hungry, we ought to give them this last jackal in addition as a recompense for their courageous behavior. We had now done with with this affair, the body of the jackal was left on the rock by the side of the tent in which were the little sleepers who had not once awaked during the whole of the scene which had been a passing. Having therefore nothing further to prevent us, we lay down by their side till day began to break, until the cocks, with their shrill morning salutations, awoke us both. The children being still asleep afforded us an ex excellent opportunity to consult together respecting the plan we should pursue for the ensuing day.